Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is the seventh of September, and it's Wednesday. Because yesterday was a weird Tuesday that was really like a Monday. But today's Wednesday. It is the 7th of September. Today's gro- Oh, and I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Hello. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Which, by the way, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, you're just worth a read today. So if you're not already in the Word of God um, why don't you spend a little time today in the Word in Second Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. I mean, it's all good, but those two chapters, like, mm, really impactful uh, right now. All right, so here um, are the growing your faith verse of the day. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. So um, I think it depends. Now, I mean, I'm not taking issue here with the scripture at all. And we're going to get to the God loves a cheerful giver portion of this passage. But this first did make me pause for just a moment. Since I do some gardening and I have planted a few things, um, it depends what you plant, whether or not you get a small crop or a generous a generous crop based on the number of seeds. Paul and I, um, Paul Perot, the producer here, as, uh, as we were listening to the lead-in this morning, we were thinking to ourselves, hmm, zucchini, you really only need one bush. Only one. Only, only one. one. Only one. Really. I mean, you know. So, and even then you, you have go. enough for your neighbors. Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking. So if you were thinking to yourself, hey, the Faith Radio Fall Fundraiser is coming up. You would be right. And so we need some zucchini givers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we would like for you to sow some zucchini into this ministry so that God can abundantly produce um, ministry in the future. There you go. I don't really know that we want zucchini, but um, I like a good zucchini bread or a good zucchini muffin. Something to keep in mind. So here is my uh, reflection on the cheerful giver portion of this passage, because God does love a cheerful giver. God doesn't want us to give reluctantly, and God doesn't want, to want us to give because somebody is pressuring us to give. Uh, God wants a, you know, people to give cheerfully. He wants us to give cheerfully. So let me ask this. When you think about the people to whom or the organizations, ministries, missions that you have given to in the past, what has moved you to give? To whom have you given? What have you given? And at what measure? Like, what's your level and direction of cheerful giving? Like something or someone, a ministry, a mission that you have given to, it just delighted your heart to make a a financial sacrifice um, to promote the advancement of the kingdom of God in a particular direction. So what ministries or missionaries do you support now? Why do you give 
from the resources that God has placed under your stewardship and sow into those particular people and missions and ministries. Like, why do you do that? Next week is Faith Radio's fall fundraiser. We're going to share stories of the ways um, that God has used this ministry to touch the lives of real people in moments and seasons of deep need. And this is a listener-supported ministry, which means that other listeners have given the funds necessary to broadcast what you're hearing right now. God has continuously expanded the reach and the scope of Faith Radio beyond, you know, like radio towers in towns, which we own a lot of now. But we now have this huge digital media footprint that has no geographic boundaries. There are literally no borders that bits and bytes can't pass through. So that means that the Faith Radio family now includes people all over the world, more than 100 countries around the globe. That's amazing. That's made possible because listeners just like you have given generously and cheerfully for more than 70 years. So today I have three requests. Number one, pray for Faith Radio's fall fundraiser, travel mercies, technology, cheerful giving. Number two, call the Faith Radio line and share your Faith Radio story with us so that we can share it with everyone else next week. You're going to call 877 933-2484 and select the number two and just share the story of the difference that this ministry has made in your life. And then number three, if you're in a position to offer a matching gift, a challenge gift, a gift that would challenge and inspire others to give for the first time, or maybe you want to challenge your neighbors, or maybe you want to challenge the people in your profession or other listeners to a particular program, whatever, If you feel led to offer a matching gift challenge during our fall fundraiser, we need to know that now. So you're going to email Carter Dreblow, carter at myfaithradio.com. And if you can't remember that, you can email me, carmen at myfaithradio.com, and I'll forward it to Carter because, you know, I'm nice like that. So you know how much I love you. You know how much I value our time together. I appreciate every um, single Um, conversation that we have, the privilege of hosting Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you who's already given to this ministry. We're going to get rolling today with this question. You've heard of the metaverse. If you're like me, you're like, I intend to avoid that. Not buying a headset. I'm not immersing myself in it. I'm not spending money on property that's digital, so-called things that aren't really things. And then I read this headline. You're already in the metaverse. You just don't know it yet. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. As the earth brings forth, sprouts from the sea, what is sown in the garden grows into Jeff Bilbro is back. He's a professor at Grove City College. Uh, He also posts at frontporchrepublic.com in something called The Water Dipper. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Good morning. All right. Explain to me how I am already in maybe a metaverse, maybe not the metaverse, but I'm already in a metaverse. What What does that mean? Yeah, so this is a good essay, I think, where John talks about how, uh, while we might be fearful of Zuckerberg's um, plans for a virtual reality world. So many of us, and really all of us, to some extent, are already um, caught up 
in a in an online world that is entangled with our daily lives, uh, and, and that social media has really already uh, blended online and on uh, offline life and thought, so that <clears throat> we don't have to have digital avatars to um, have our imaginations and our conversations and our our daily priorities. Uh, set and shaped by things that happen online. Alternative realities have conquered the public sphere. When he's talking about um, virtual worlds, when he's talking about you know alternate realities, could you just describe could describe to us maybe an example of what he means? Yeah, so maybe to take an extreme example, he mentions how sometimes people get, especially women, get plastic surgery or take Mm -hmm. other measures to make their Instagram feeds match up to, you know, those of of the others whom they aspire to be like. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe less extreme examples are just the ways that uh, so much of our entertainment and our work and um, our kind of social networking you know for for professional success now happens in these virtual spaces so um we're not sort of cordoned off i guess uh from the virtual in ways that we might like to imagine yeah i mean one question we might ask ourselves like what have i done in the real world because of or motivated by or influenced by something i have experienced in the digital world yeah yeah that's a really good question. It's really profound. I think that it doesn't just affect, I mean, we, we like to think that, you know, hey, this only affects the kids. Um, but this affects, you know, real adults. It, it, affects, yeah. it affects us all. Uh, and if we're not paying attention to it, then we're sort of um, carried along in the current of it without even recognizing how far we've been moved. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, because obviously it's not only negative. There are some positive uh, ways that we can be influenced, but we have to be conscious and thoughtful about which online communities we're allowing to shape our imaginations and our priorities. Yeah, and I think that the someone, in addition to the something or the some group, is, yes. is important here. So yeah. who are you Who are you following? Who are you listening to? Um, who are you, um, you know, mirroring? in terms of online presence. And, and I think that particularly for people who have disconnected from, um, you know, physical church bodies, they've disconnected from going to and being part of a local church community. There is some online personality to whom they have attached in terms of their discipleship and in terms of um, their, you know, their, their understanding of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be in Christian community. And I think those are important conversations for Christians to be engaged in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to continue our conversation with Jeff Bilbro in just a moment. Um, here's going to be the question I'm teeing up. Can love take sides? Hmm. Can love take sides? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes. 
Jeff Bilbrow and I are going to talk about Wendell Berry. Um, and I'm going to have Jeff start off introducing us to Wendell Berry for those who have never heard of him, which for Jeff and I is going to be hard to imagine, but true, all, all the same. So, Jeff Bilbrow, who is Wendell Berry and, um, and what's in his forthcoming book, The Need to Be Whole? Wow. Yeah, if you haven't read Wendell Berry, get you to a bookstore. Um, he's a, a Kentucky farmer. He's about 88 years old now. And he's been writing for a long time about um, rural life and all sorts of topics related to that. But uh, he writes as a, as a Christian, but someone who's also quite critical of the institutional church and its failings uh, throughout American history. And he writes as someone who, who deeply loves um, community and place and, uh, you know, is beloved by by authors and people across uh, the political spectrum, uh, a lot of Christians, but also he has a, has a large non-Christian audience as well. And I think he's just a really important voice in helping us uh, reckon with some of the really complex problems uh, of our day. And yeah, his new book is maybe his most ambitious yet, which is quite remarkable for somebody of his age. But uh, it's a, about a 500-page book wrestling with racism and patriotism and how many of our our social problems are worsened by the uh, weakness of our communities and how when we no longer uh, belong tightly to a placed community, then we're more susceptible to some of these uh, sins like, like racism or stereotyping uh, other people. The law of love excludes no one, but requires a choice from everyone. Um, I mean, Wendell Berry argues that, you know, love not only can take sides, love does take a side. That's right, but it has to take a side in a different way than um, we are accustomed to thinking based on the political mm -hmm. discourse of our day. You know, we have, uh, there's these yard signs you can get that say love is love or something. And his argument is that if love, you know, people who, who want to defend love, if we um, lower ourselves, I guess, to the kind of tit-for-tat, back-and-forth um, partisan shouting match, we actually, uh, you know, maybe unwittingly uh, against our, our conscious awareness, uh, cancel out love. I mean, he has this great line where he says, um, love that hates has canceled itself, and it cannot survive its hatred of hate any more than one can survive minus one. It is no more. And so we have to be really careful not to, you know, in, in our defense of things that are good, in our defense of, um, yeah, beloved but, but endangered goods, which uh, Christians uh, do a lot. We have to be careful not to partake, I guess, in the, uh, the, the kind of slogan for slogan shouting match that, that so much of our cultural discussions uh, fall into. So, Jeff, how does, um, how does Wendell Berry get a hearing in in the shouting match of the culture today because i mean not only is this like a substantively long read 500 pages every sentence of wendell berry requires me to like slow down i mean i i have to i have to read his sentences slowly not because yeah. um not not because the words are hard to understand but because the thoughts are often so contrary to that which i can just you know like uh 
glaze over. I mean, like, you know, I can read lots of things really fast. Like, that's one of my giftings. I can't read R- Wendell Berry fast. I have to read him slow. That's a good observation. And I think, you know, so much of what gets written today is structured around various talking points. Um, our, our thought kind of falls into these patterns. You know, people who think like me think in these terms. And so we kind of just lay out a train of thought without really questioning or examining it. And maybe because Barry doesn't have a computer and writes everything out by pencil or typewriter, um, he kind of stands athwart a, a lot of the um, dominant uh, scripts, I guess, that, uh, that we hear in our culture. So, you know, no matter what side you think you're on, when you read Barry, you, you likely find yourself questioning or some of your assumptions are unsettled. And I think that's rare, but really important that we don't allow ourselves to kind of unthinkingly subscribe to a line of thought without really questioning and, and considering um, some of the nuances or particulars of these really complicated issues. Can I um, suggest um, maybe that somewhere you tee up, I mean, it's like I mean, no, it's probably more than 20 years old now. James Sire wrote that book on how to read slowly. Maybe we yeah. need to be reminded of how to read slowly, um, particularly for books like this one by Wendell Berry. Um, so, yeah, I think all right. right. Um, I don't even know how to say the word that comes at the beginning of the next headline. <laughs> um, so I'm going to let you read it. Um, but it's about, you know, one friend reflecting on the life of another friend. Yeah, Threnody for a Good Man. And this is by Jake Meter, who's uh, somebody who's, I think so, yeah. Threnody. Somebody who okay. is also deeply influenced by Wendell Berry and just reflects on the life of a faithful community member who served his church, served his neighbors, um, did a good work, and um, dies in relative obscurity. And I think in this age where uh, people who are activists or have big platforms suck up a lot of the attention. It's really healthy to be reminded that the people who are faithful and doing good work and in the trenches day in and day out oftentimes don't get a lot of recognition, but uh, but they're saints, and we can aspire to lives of quiet and uncelebrated uh, holiness and fidelity, and that's a, that's an important aspiration. Life is so precious um, and grief is so real for people who, um, you know, lose a loved one. And then the rest of us tend to move on pretty quickly from that, um, from that grief and that loss, because the whole is not left in our lives. Um, You know, so much as it is left in the life of, uh, of the nuclear family or the brother or the sister, the mother, the father. And so maybe today, um, a gentle kindness toward those who we know have suffered a loss, which you know, is frankly everybody if we take the time to actually ask and remember and consider. So thank you for um, bringing us um, bringing us this reflection today. Hey, you guys can read everything we've talked about and so much more. Um, you're looking for the water dipper at frontporchrepublic.com or if you get today's show notes um, at the website, myfaithradio.com or wherever you get your podcast, um, it, the links will all be in there. Uh, Jeff, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio.
Hey, Psalm 24, verse 1 proclaims, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. I mean, just pause there for just a moment. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And yet, as we look around and we survey what's happening in the world and how people are treating one another and um, and some people living in such desperate circumstances, we wonder, we wonder, does God have this? I mean, we sing and we teach little children to sing. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Really? Yes, really. Psalm 103, or Psalm 100, verse 3, excuse me. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. God's got this. God made it all. God blessed it all. God has done everything necessary to redeem it all. God cares for every last one of us. And that includes you and me and all the people in the world today. Let us remember that God's got the whole world in his hands, even as we consider the challenges that people are facing today around the world. We're going to go around the world with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News and and as we do, I want us to maybe if you're maybe if you're in a place where you can do so safely, put your hands together, you know, as if as if making a basin to collect water like you would if you were kneeling down to drink out of a out of a out of a stream. So put your hands together like that and then consider that God has got the whole world in his hands. Nothing is slipping through his fingers. He sees you, he knows the circumstance of your life, and he's holding you right now in the palm of his hand. Before we talk about what's going on around the world with Ruth Kramer, we're going to talk about one thing that's completely out of this world. Well, which, come to think of it, is also in God's hands. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. To boldly go where no one has gone before. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Ruth Kramer joins us from Mission Network News. <coughs> Excuse me. And Ruth, let's start off with an out-of-this-world topic. What do we need to know about Nicole Nichols' ashes going to space? You're my only Trekkie. You're my only, like, as far as I know, my only regular guest who is a Trekkie. And so I held this story so that you could share this news with us. Yeah, you you held the story and then I didn't read it. Um, oh, because well, you know I've got like I'm, important things to do. I know, I know, important things <laughs> to do. All are right, going to be spread in space, and that's that's unique because it's just something that not very many people have the opportunity to have their ashes spread in space because you have to get them there. Um, and she joins the the ranks of some unique people. I think uh, Roddenberry is one of them that has his ashes spread in space. So it's kind of a cool thing. You know, it's something to be remembered for. But other than that, I really couldn't tell you what was in the story. 
No, that's okay. okay. Um, So for people who um, are not paying attention to this, which actually kind of includes Ruth and I, um, uh, Nikkel Nichols, um, she played this role on Star Trek, and um, and she died at the age of 89 at the end of July. She's best known for playing Lieutenant Yahura. Um, mm-hmm. the Star Trek television series. And yes, I think that um, her ashes going into space on a Vulcan rocket is kind of cool. So there you go. Well, um, there was a lot of time when I spent, uh, you know, time playing Lieutenant Uhura with a bottle of whiteout in my ear. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Back to Earth and back on topic. Um, we have some very serious headlines to consider today. Um, across Africa, Islamic extremist influence is spreading. You're covering that from many locations um, across Africa. So maybe um, start with what's happening in Somalia, which is the lead article right now at Mission Network News. Yeah, well, Al-Shabaab is the, I guess, the resident terror group of Somalia. They have created an, an insurrection so significant that Somalia is considered a failed state. Um, This is one of those things where they kind of go in waves with the attacks. Um, The most recent one was, of course, September 2nd, where there was an attack on a relief uh, convoy in central Somalia. 18 civilians were killed. The relief itself was destroyed. um, And, you know, the government was prevented from actually reaching the scene. But this comes on the heels of another attack in uh, Mogadishu, where uh, al-Shabaab had taken siege of a hotel. That lasted about 30, 35 hours. Um, Again, um, in terms of death toll, about 21 people, the the count varies a little bit. But what it's telling us is that al-Shabaab is increasing uh, its intensity. Um, Throughout August, uh, they've been very busy. They've attacked military bases in Kenya, Mali, and Ethiopia. And they're just trying to, I think, uh, establish a dominance, especially because right now in al-Qaeda, there's sort of a power vacuum uh, since the second leader was taken out. Um, So this is one of those things where al-Qaeda is uh, leaderless at the moment, and if they don't replace the leader soon, you're going to have a lot of infighting with all of the factions that are claiming to be as strong or as powerful or as uh, pure, as uh, more pure than anybody else. And in this situation... Um, Al-Shabaab is threatening to replace Al-Qaeda if they don't get a, a move on uh, to replace the leader. That could be really crazy. It could uh, be the, the harbinger of a lot more chaos within the region itself. And what we're seeing is a lot of um, terror groups who are uh, kind of throwing their hat in the ring to say, take us seriously. So the Islamic State is among all of those uh, that are kind of it, – it's the overarching ideology that kind of uh, drives all of these different terror groups. What we've seen is the Islamic State's influence increasing all over Africa. We've seen a huge spike in Mozambique. Uh, again, what we're seeing with the power struggle in, or the power vacuum out of Somalia um, is is not unusual. Um, so we want to be praying for the different ministries that are involved there. World Mission is directly involved with what's going on in Somalia, not so much with the, the terrorism, but because people are searching for hope. And the, really, um, when you consider the high population of Muslims who are unreached, like never heard the gospel before, looking for hope and being receptive to the gospel, it's it's pretty amazing what's happening there, what God is doing there. World Mission has got a team that goes in and out of the country, that uh, they have 
um, other networks within the country that pass out what they call the treasures, which are uh, solar-powered audio Bibles. And what you have that, that creates that is a listening group that comes together to listen to portions of God's Word in their heart language, and they they get they get curious. They start asking questions. Um, not everybody is of the extremist ideology, so they do this kind of on the sly. There's sort of a what we, what we might call an underground church um, going on in in some of these regions because it's so dangerous to not be an extremist in in some of these areas. So be praying. Because God is moving. I mean, that's the that's the takeaway from this story. We wouldn't have a story to tell you unless we had this other side of things to say. God is moving in spite of all this pressure, in spite of all of this uh, destruction and violence. And it sounds terrible with the headlines, but this is the other side of the story. This is the hope quotient. And our part in the story, finding our part in the story, is to be praying for these ministries, earnestly praying that, that the gospel will reach the unreached, that we can get behind this and ask God to intervene, that we can get behind some of these ministries that are on the ground and, and help them uh, be the hands and feet of Christ in some very difficult situations. I think we tend to think of, you know, ISIS um, and Syria and Iraq and some of those locations across the Middle East when we think of um, Islamic movements. I think we think we do think of Al Qaeda, but we don't really like. We are not particularly familiar with the language of Al Shabaab or even Boko Haram. Um, and so I think that sometimes when we think, oh, ISIS has been defeated, yeah, but not ISIL or ISIS K or Daesh or uh, Al Shabaab or Al or you know or Al Qaeda or Boko Haram. So the the prolifer- mm, proliferation of sort of the the varieties of um, Islamic jihadist movements across northern Africa in particular is really, really, you know, at, at a crisis stage. Talk with us about what's happening in Nigeria. I mean, I, the, all of the stories are heartbreaking, but, you know, these I, some of these about women and girls being targeted for forced marriage to Islamic fighters, like, I just, I, I, I can't imagine a more horrific reality for a family to endure. Well, uh, let me let me take a step back to give a wide view, and then we'll kind of drill into a, a for example. Um, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom just released a new report on how violence is actually having an impact on religious freedom in Nigeria. So we're talking the uh, Islamist group violence, uh, identity-based violence, mob violence, gender violence, and all of it affects worship, um, the ability to freely worship. Um, and typically in Nigeria, the group that is targeted most is going to be the Christians. Um, Mm -hmm. so the report focuses on policy issues, though this is the politics side of it. They're trying to influence the U.S. government's, uh, direction on how we respond politically to the lack of religious freedom, because the lack of religious freedom has a direct impact on all other kinds of freedoms, uh, in Nigeria. Um, so it's it's just sort of a, a, a I guess a scale. You have a foundational part of that scale, and when the bottom part is taken out, then the rest of it kind of falls apart too. Um, so this is going to be a report that is uh, making circulation throughout the State Department, and uh, they're going to make another recommendation that the State Department designate Nigeria as a country of particular concern. Recently. The State Department took Nigeria off that list, and people that were watching the situation scratched their heads because it's clear 
that Nigeria has not made enough progress in the issues with Boko Haram that they can be taken off the CPC list. Um, so, you know, that's that's one way to look at things. Um, so even while the government's looking for solutions to intervene in the persecution of Christians, we can say that ministries are actively involved in meeting new needs that they're discovering in the name of Christ because of the persecution. And this is a good example. Voice of the Martyrs Canada shared the story of a 14-year-old girl who uh, came to Christ uh, from a Muslim background, obviously. Her name was Lena. And when her father found out that she converted, he he beat her. And then he married her off to a much older man um, who decided he didn't want her, so she was divorced very quickly. Um, she be, Because she was a believer, she attended a disciple school for new believers. And her goal was to become a pastor and evangelist, sharing the message of Christ in her family's community. Um, and then her brother was took up the, the banner after her dad did what he did, and her brother set her up to be sexually assaulted. Um, she got pregnant from the assault and decided to keep the baby. When the baby was born, she named her Beloved. I think that's just, it's a beautiful story because of what God was doing through um, something that was intended for ill. Two and a half years later, Beloved is thriving, and so is her mom. VOM Canada says that uh, Lena's training at a vocational school and getting Bible training. She's doing well. She's in a safe house. Uh, and her next step is discipleship, some trauma counseling, and support from other believers. Um, she has not deviated from her goal of being an evangelist, going back to her home community and sharing the hope of Christ because it's been so transformational in her life in spite of everything that's happened. This is what difference uh, the hope of Jesus Christ brings to some really awful situations. Join us in praying for these ministries that are working in these things. Um, it's tough. It's tough. It's really draining to be part of these ministries because there's so much that you give to when you see this much pain, when you see this much destruction, um, when you grieve the sin that's going on. Um, so the workers that are involved need us to shore them up. They need to know that they're not forgotten. And the ministries need our support, too. I mean, I, I don't want to make it like a thinly veiled request for funds or anything like that. Um, but that's how stuff gets done. The money is something that actually is functional um, because they want to be able to increase what they're doing, increase the safe houses, increase the trauma counselors, um, bring people in who can disciple a church on how to deal with persecution. I'm, I'm taking notes. I um, let's, let's pause for a moment. Um, and let's pray for Lena and Beloved and the ministries that are um, engaged in this very specific place with this individual, bringing very real transformation by the power of the gospel. And um, so let's pray. Father, you have the whole world in your hands. And right now you see Lena and you see Beloved. You see those um, around her who are ministering um, with her and uh, discipling her. Thank you for the people who provided for the safe house and for the people who are there right now. Thank you for the trauma counselors, and thank you for those who provided for that trauma counseling. Thank you for um, the people who are providing the resources to meet material needs um, as, as Lena um, is transformed day by day by one degree of glory to another. Um, and thank you for um, this precious life of her child, beloved um, we ask your blessing upon them today in ways that um, they can receive and really only you can give. In Jesus' name, amen.
We're going to continue our conversation with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. We're going to pivot our attention to what is happening with believers in Pakistan and Sri Lanka and how the church is on the front lines of meeting needs in places of desperation around the world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find everything we're talking about today at missionnews.org or in the show notes for the program today, which you can get at myfaithradio.com or anywhere that you subscribe to the podcast. So when you um, when you do that and you open your podcast um, link, it's going to have all of the links to the articles that we discussed, not only with Ruth, but everybody else on the show today. Um, Ruth, take us um, take us to Pakistan. We have talked a little bit about the incredible flooding there. Um, it, it's something that their own government is not in a position to to adequately respond to. Well, that's that's the understatement of the year. Um, the government is saying it's a monsoon on steroids. Uh, you know, did you know that like a third, more than a third of the country is underwater right now? Um, it's, like you've a got, la- it's like a lake. I mean, that's the way you've described it. It's a hundred kilometer wide inland lake. Right. Uh, so that's the Indus River. But we also just learned that the final retaining wall of the, lar- the country's largest lake, that's Lake Manchar, actually was breached uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday. So there's more flooding that's happening out of one of the largest lakes in the country. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the government has been already struggling to respond to a catastrophic crisis. There's a state of emergency on but the government really isn't in a good place to be sending out resources or anything because it's not really well organized. Um, Nehemiah from FMI tells us that uh, there's not a single federal government. Each province has its own government and they're trying to do their own thing. So there's not a coordinated effort for a national emergency. And that means that it's not efficient. It means that the relief supplies that maybe are available aren't going to get to people which is, of course, complicated because roads have been washed out and uh, ways to get things to the survivors are uh, steadily falling away because it's not over yet. Uh, the waters are not receding as of yet. I mean, this has been going on since mid-June, and yet we're, we're seeing continued rains and the waters are not receding. Um, so, you know, when you're, you're talking about these kinds of things, is you know, that's the big picture. Um, who does it affect most? It affects the marginalized communities. So the po- the poor are going to be affected more uh, at, a, at a kind of an uneven scale than the wealthy. And a lot of um, the poorest of the poor tend to be in the Christian community. Um, so the marginalized communities are going to suffer even more because the majority of people groups have resources. So when you're talking about Christians who are um, uh, punished for, you know, their jobs are taken away, their property is taken away because they are Christians, um, this is something where they know already that the government will 
uh, if they do get relief supplies out there, they're going to be overlooked because they're not of the right religion. Um, so FMI has been working with its partners to try to figure out how to get uh, supplies to the communities where they have an imprint um, to see where they can actually help the most. They're not a relief aid organization. That is not their strength. And um, so they, you know, you, we don't want people to get confused about what that is, but um, they do have emergency relief funds uh, for situations where you have emergencies that will impact the ability to do their job. Um, and they have networks that are very closely tied in with the national past pastors who've been training, who work together, who have uh, cohorts, and uh, that they're able to help each other uh, through things like this. There are going to be some difficult days ahead. You know, once the emergency is over, then you're going to be looking at um, the recovery issues. And, um, you know, the whole whole country is shaken by the scope of what's happening. People are angry. They're scared. Their emotions are out of control. Nobody seems to feel like they're responsible for anybody else. So it's kind of everybody, every man for himself. And really the only groups of people who have a different perspective on um, helping the least of these are the believers because of what the Word of God teaches them about how to love other people. There's an opportunity here. I mean, we always say that in a crisis. There's an opportunity for the gospel to shine, but it's going to be difficult. Um, be praying because there are uh, – It Pakistan is a difficult ministry field. Our partner, FMI, has a uh, solid network in place. So we can say we know that they're going to be actively involved in the response. Pray for opportunities. Pray that um, as these opportunities come up that the, the network of pastors – boldly approaches them, pray that they get resourced. If we can, let's help them resource. Um, that's really how we can best respond to a crisis that's happening so far away. You know, Ruth, I you look at these images, and for people who, um, you know, are interested in doing so, the images that NASA is providing um, from, you know, obviously space-based um, photographic equipment, uh, it, it's really extraordinary. You can see time-lapse photos of the flooding um, actually overtake the country. Um, I I can't help but think about what um, what the scope of a flood like this does, not only to the people, but to the land and to the resources, you know, of the land on the other side of the flood. And you can't help but think about what it was like to live in the days of Noah, like. When, when there's no one left to help at some point. And I think that um, when, we, when we see genuinely nationally catastrophic events like this, it should um, not only drive us to our knees, but it should, it should drive us to the word of God and to um, bring it in application to life. Like how, how does an entire country or an entire culture rebuild um, after after this, and help is going to have to come from the outside, which I think is the ultimate point of the article, and I, I appreciated that. Um, can you brief us in? I know there's more about Sri Lanka to tell us than you can do in a minute, but can you brief us in on a minute uh, of information about what's happening in Sri Lanka, and then we'll direct people to um, to the website for more. 
Yeah. Um, Sri Lanka has a massive loan that's been dispersed by the International Monetary Fund, so that's supposed to help the ongoing financial crisis. The country is at the brink of collapse right now. So your government's failing. Everything in the country is very difficult right now. Um, but we're also seeing like the rise of persecution of religious minorities in the country. So we've got partners that are there trying to speak out on their behalf. Again, VOM is actively involved with that. They're talking with lawyers to try to come alongside the body of Christ that's getting the basically the fuzzy end of the stick on government scrutiny throughout the financial crisis. Um, I guess the question is, if government isn't providing justice, what do Christians have left? And mm. uh, what we can say is Christians have Christ because they have mm. hope. Mm. Um, it's difficult. It is extremely um, uh, a, a high security situation because we already know that the extremists want to remove Christians from the conversation. This is starting to uh, see an uptick as the country continues to devolve into chaos. So again, join us in praying. I mean, they're facing pressure from every angle. Uh, the believers are facing pressure from extremist groups, from governments, from communities. Um, so we want to be praying about that. We want to pray for relief for many of them. Um, and then thank him for the groups that are helping to prepare Christians uh, to weather persecution, because that is something that, you know, we in North America really just don't understand what that is like. Um, and we probably couldn't just step into it. So we want to pray for the grace uh, that they're going to need to grow into to be able to handle that. And we'll be amazed at what God does. Um, folks are asking for an update on Haiti. So maybe next time we can um, we can pivot uh, toward there as well. Sure. Yeah. Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News, um, missionnews.org. Um, so many stories from so many places and how God has his people on the forefront um, in places all over the world where people are in need. So let's be um, reading, let's be praying, and let's be resourcing our Christian brothers and sisters as they um, meet real human needs uh, around the globe. Ruth, as always, thank you so much. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Hey, I told you yesterday it was hot out west. Salt Lake City uh, hit 105 yesterday. That's the city's hottest September day on records that date back to 1874. So to that, I will remind us from Ephesians 4.26. Yep, be angry, but don't let sin. Don't sin and uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah, mm -hmm, as the sun comes up. We got another hour up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.